best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their offerings, live events, and everything they got going on at OsirisPod.com. We got a good one for you today where we celebrate the first season of Andor, the science fiction action-adventure television series created by Tony Gilroy for Disney+. It is the fourth live-action series in the Star Wars franchise, as well as a prequel to both the spin-off film Rogue One and the original Star Wars film. The series follows thief-turned-rebel spy Cassian Andor during the five years that lead to the events of the two films. Diego Luna reprises his role as Cassian Andor and also serves as executive producer. The ensemble cast is incredible. It includes Kyle Soler, Fiona Shaw, Stellan Skarsgård, Genevieve O'Reilly. We'll get into a whole bunch of other actors that are in this cast. It's amazing. Like I said, I have with me uh, Douglas Grant, who's been on the program before. He's talked Star Wars with us before, uh, writer, television enthusiast, and a uh, perfect person to have on to discuss this uh, program, which you're going to find out how much I really love. We talk about showrunner Tony Gilroy's bold and novel approach to storytelling in the Star Wars universe. We discussed the tremendous cast, as I mentioned. Nicholas Patel's uh, incredible engrossing score, a moment where a droid's anguish broke our hearts. Luke Hall's game-changing production design and more. Let's bring in Doug and get into this Andor series. So Douglas Grant, welcome back to the party. Uh, you're our Star Wars guy. Let's get into it. How you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for having me today, Mike. Great to be back. I'm so excited about this. This show, um, uh, as, as, as I'll describe in detail uh, and at length, really meant a lot to me. It opened my eyes up to what a Star Wars show could be, uh, what you know any sort of sci-fi show could be. It just it, it really blew me away. Uh, I'd love to get things going and hearing uh, by hearing uh, what you thought. What do you think, Doug? I liked it a lot. I wasn't as excited about it going into it as I was other Star Wars projects, and mm-hmm. yet now that we've seen this first season i'm more excited about it than most star wars projects including the mandalorian i have to say i i absolutely agree with you the um the thing here uh my initial thought is that it felt and i i got this feeling almost initially but it's, uh, certainly after the first three which were they were released uh the first three were released at once and they're kind of one piece um which makes sense for tony gilroy who's used to working on you know at least 90 minute scripts but it felt like finally, as you know, I'm an aged Star Star Wars fan. I don't expect them to be making Star Wars shows just for like you know their original fan base. Of course, they're 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 reaching out to the kids, and you know there should be aspects that that appeal to you know ages, all kinds of ages. But this one really felt like it was for adults. It was a it was a complex weaving story. It was it was you know there was nothing that felt talked down to the uh, you know the look of it felt like the original one was real. You know, it, it almost you could almost feel it. Well, you know, I want to talk about production design as well, but it really felt like it was for those first generation of fans, for adults, and and more than that, uh, the, my favorite thing about it is the the bottom up, and I mean the kind of the the the, the you know uh, people who look at like kind of the more lower rung of society, the poorer people in a society, 
uh, especially in this hierarchy uh, with the empire in charge. This bottom-up glance, I am so here for it. This, this, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen the the uh, you know the, the the whole revolution from the angle of this royal family of um, you know magical knights, you know, and and this was always at its heart a people's revolution, and it was you know it was really cool to see those people and the the spark that inspired those people to revolt and, and why they had to do what they had to do. I mean, you could almost say that the, um, you know, uh, Luke and Leia and like the, you know, the whole Skywalker family's um, storyline was kind of piggybacked on the people's revolution. You know, they were kind of dancing above it and having their own storyline above the, the revolution. And in this, we finally got into kind of the knit and grit of that revolution from the bottom up. And I thought that was really a clever way to do it and and just it was blue collar and it was like i said i was completely here for it yeah i agree with you there are some parallels to another one of my favorite genres uh kung fu <laughs> kung fu movies used to be about kings and bloodlines and royal courts and all that and then post bruce lee it moved down to the common man like what are the common struggles of everyday people and i really like that and it's good to i'm glad we didn't see any lightsabers or force in this mm. series because I do want to see what the rebellion is all about. I like the idea that there were these individual cells all over the galaxy that had to operate on their own before they could come together and under extreme secrecy and, and start networking. And I also like that we got a look at like, we know that like the emperor is bad because he's from the dark side and you know, it's the struggle between good and light, but we never really, besides the extermination of the Jedi, we never really understand why the empire is so bad you know mm -hmm. i think in old lore we know that they enslaved wookies but like here now we're seeing the tyranny of the empire and the way they interact with common citizens and that was really refreshing for me i couldn't agree more but, you know one thing i think we should do here is kind of dance through the episode and some of the moments and i think some of the themes present um in the show are really going to come to life when we point to moments and that's one of them i mean you got to see how terrifying and i'll just use the word fascism really can be and it was just highlighted it, you know there was there was episodes that were absolutely you know worse more terrifying than a saw uh movie it was really really scary another thing just going into it as a general thought um the pedigree was there i, I was excited going in i mean the source material being rogue one that's something i i just thought that that film was done just so incredibly you know well uh, the director and creator of being Tony Gilroy. I mean, the guy just knows how to tell a story. I mean, he wrote Michael Clayton. Um, and the production design, um, that is Luke Hall. He did Chernobyl. He's, I mean, he's talked about in the business in a major way. I mean, he went ahead and built a city. He built Ferrix like brick by brick. And it was nice that the storyline kept coming back to Ferrix because that just looked incredible. It felt incredible. The, um, you know, I know that the Star Wars just kind of went towards a, a CG, you know, real CGI feel, and I get why. Um, but you know, originally it really had this, this, uh, you know, it just it felt so real because the things were made, they were real, and and we, you know, revisiting that, uh, that grit and you know the rusty ships and the broken droids and just that they were, you know, just everything felt real, and that's that's to Luke Hole. Um, but it was the moment. Like, like I said, I was initially hooked and it, it was because there was a moment in episode one where I was like, this is different. This is it. And like I said, I, I don't mean to like, kind of dismiss other. I've, we've been on here talking about the other Star Wars shows. I like them. I think they have a, I have a place. But I just think this feels different. And the moment this one really felt different, 
is when Cassian killed the two officers right off the bat in episode one. It just felt like, oh, oh, we're doing that. We're 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 going to be, you know, just without a blink of an eye, you know, lives are going to be lost. And it just felt like I said, adult indifferent right in episode one. What did you think when you took in, um, you know, that that opening episode? Remember in Rogue One, Cassian kills an uh, an agent right in the beginning like oh wow people in the rebel alliance kill people in cold blood yeah, yeah. So that was consistent with his character um going back to what you said about the practical sets yeah i couldn't agree more i think jj abrams strived to return to that practical feel with the sequel trilogy and absolutely at the same time i don't i don't want to say drop the ball but it still felt very cgi led yeah. um this like you said that whole town built i love the anvil that serves as the uh the town bell that yeah. you the whole town um and yeah it's it's gritty and let's face it anything that's come in the disney era has tried to fall into the greater star wars story it's all like the canon is all the same river everyone's drinking from this one's different and this one proves there's room for a different type of story yeah. um this is the most like this is the most off-brand star wars project i've seen since the ewok adventure <laughs> No doubt about it. I want to say something else about the uh, production design of Luke Hole. Just, just while I thought about it, I meant to say it when we were talking. I was talking about him, but um, Tony made. I, I listened to an interview with him, and he had him sit in on. And this is something that that he made it sound like doesn't happen often. But like every single meeting with the story, so they could turn to him and be like, "Is this something? How how would this you know TV look on Felix? How would this? What would the serial look like? Well, you know, like everything." that they were doing they were writing every piece of it he was along for the ride and i think that really really shows so to talk a little bit more about the setup the the first three episodes were kind of an arc and that was the you know getting to know the 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 moment that kind of kicks off all the action with that killing um you know going taking us back to felix and kind of you know very introductory it was actually kind of funny to me when the first episode ended and i don't know if you got this feeling doug but it kind of felt incomplete I don't know if you know, remember at the end, it, there was, you know, because I guess we're also used to, you know, this this style of, uh, uh, you know, storytelling that Netflix gives us. And I think, you know, we're almost left at, with a hook at the end of each one. And I think at the end of this one, it just kind of Cassie and walking and it felt, you know, uh, uh, a little, you know, lackluster. But then if you just, you know, when you step back and you realize what they're doing, it just moved right into the next. And it was one big piece. It, the whole plan was that we're getting two seasons set uh five years before rogue one 24 episodes oh no wait wait what is it 20 um we got yeah 24 episodes yep <laughs> i know i got confused I, I called i called doug after 10 and i'm like what a season and he's like we got two more michael um but yeah so 24 episodes so we're getting 12 more already in production but those first three were such a great setup and one of the characters that really grabbed me and really got to meet her in episode two uh, and really get to know her more in episode three was Marva, played by Fiona Shaw. Um, and just she it just it was so obvious right away that she was such a one of the original revolutionaries and it really set up kind of that hologram moment at the end. I was absolutely blown about it. she's Cassian's um adoptive mother. Um, and just you know, there was there's just just the way she spoke of revolution, it was so romantic, and you know, that's what a reckoning sounds like, and all these big moments and then by the end of um uh episode three it was just it, it's you know a lot of heart was seeping into it with uh you know Cassian's leaving and Mar Marva's upset and then 
fix uh you know lost her boyfriend it was just like all of a sudden after the, those three it was just like all right so we got action we got heart you know we we you know it looks great it's 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 on so that whole th- three episode arc it was kind of like a movie is that what it felt to you as well yeah and i i looked at it for the slow burn that it was and i don't think mm-hmm. i don't think people i don't think viewers these days are willing to just jump into a slow burn first yeah. of all we've moved away yeah. from the 12 episode model a few years ago everything was 12 episodes yeah. soprano was breaking bad and now we're kind of skirting somewhere around eight summer six summer ten um i appreciated a good slow burn i don't need a cliffhanger at the end of every episode and i like how this world this i mean it's the star wars universe but cassian's world started small on his home planet and then just mm. kept growing from there yeah um and with the introduction of more and more characters as we went along, but I, I when I, as soon as I wrap my head around like this isn't going to be your typical Star Wars series, I'm like, oh, this is going to unravel at its own pace. I'm yep. on board. But absolutely. So um, you alluded to it, and I really want to start getting into it. That that you know we got to see exactly how terrifying the Empire is, and actually why why it was more than you know a a man in a big mask with a big cape who could choke you with his hand. It was it was really it, it's. It was this 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 giant, uh, um, you know, authoritarian movement that was truly taking over planets and, and just uh, just having their way and in, in within a huge swath of the solar system. And that really came to light in the second part of the arc in episode four that led up to ex- episode six, that what this arc was everything building up to that huge uh, the robbery that took place at the end of episode six. Um, so what happened in episode four that really blew my mind is we got to know more about the ISB. And that is, um, you know, that's that's the the group that, as we all know, operates under the Commission for the Preservation of the New Order. That's C O M P N O R, which uh, kind of imposes uh, Palpatine's will. And so there was these meetings we got privy to, and you just got to see how cold and calculating they were, and it really brought it home. And I just want to bring up this one line that one of um one of the members of the ISB said, and I think you'll remember it, and he talks about how security is an illusion. You want security? Call the Navy. Launch a, a regiment of troops. We are healthcare providers. We treat sickness. We identify sy- symptoms. We locate germs, whether they arise from within or come from outside. The longer we wait to identify the disorder, the harder it is to treat the disease. And just the way they were talking about how they need to stomp out uh any 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 inkling of revolution was the beginning of what uh, you know i'll continue to talk about it how scary these movements are that the, these fascist authoritarian movements can be when you know that they 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 want to tighten their grip more and more and we got to see that in this and that's something we've never seen in the star wars universe yeah and i really like the nuance of the isb the the members to butt heads, the hierarchy. I really yep. love that we were visited by um, Admiral Ularen, who makes an appearance in A New Hope. It's like, oh, the big boss, not the emperor, but here's yep. the guy who's going to oversee us and report back to the the emperor's council. Yep. Um, and I feel I didn't feel like it was a, like a lot of it seemed like it was self interested, like building my I'm going to build my career in ISB by ascending this ladder. But more often than not, it was like, hey, I know what the interests of the empire are. I have the interests of the empire at heart more than you do. Let me show you what my vision. It was like whenever they butted heads, it all seemed like less about personal ambition and more about like, how are we going to propel the agenda of the empire? I really enjoyed that aspect of it. 
Absolutely. The butting heads that you're speaking of, it, 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 yeah, it wasn't about climbing the ladder. It was like, it was who, who bought in more to this thing, to this, to this really, it, which is, which is really sick. And, and we'll talk more about her. Cause I thought she was one of the most intense characters I've ever seen in all of star Wars. And, and that's um, Deidre, but just cause she fully, fully bought in, but yeah, that, that it was, it was, it was serious business in there and it wasn't for, it didn't feel like personal gain. They were working for the, for, for the larger, larger thing. So I was, there was a moment I wanted to bring up and I wanted to see what you felt about because it, it happened in episode five, the axe forgets. I can't think of his name right now, but it's a, uh, did you watch uh, um, uh, the bear, the chef show? Uh, I have not watched that. No. You should go check it out. It's really, really good. But so it's the, the, he was one of when 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 Cassian finally gets in and infiltrates that group of revolutionaries and they're training together and he makes a speech about his brother and he ends up being the guy who tries to get Cassian to come with him and offers him a bribe. Uh, he makes this really it was, you know, and this show is just all about these these speeches that are made throughout it. What Tony Gilroy can do with writing like a speech is just out of control. These like these little monologue things. But he talks about his brother. And it's so heartfelt and about losing his brother. And that's why he's in it. And then in the next episode, he's just like, yeah, I just made that, made that up. But that was, that was, and I guess it kind of shows, you know, I guess they were making a point that, you know, people will do whatever they have to do for what they do. But I thought that was, that was really, really unique. It was, it was the setups here and just, it all speaks to how good the writing is, is so like episode four was a huge, huge setup you know, uh, uh, you know, for, for finding, you know, getting Cassian into that place. And then they took the time with that throughout episode five to walk you through the entire training about how this group's going to get into it. And then, you know, that is a big setup for episode six, which was the robbery. And it just, like you talked about pacing and everything, every, every, you know, the, taking the time to set up the, the, you know, the, the mechanics of the robbery made the robbery even so much better. And just every it's 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 this writing is impeccable in the way they bring it to life. And it's because they take the time to explain things and show you things. And it makes it all mean something more when it comes comes through. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to something you said, which um, I know you were really I, I'm sorry, I forget the character's name, but the one who gets crushed and he writes the manifesto. I know you were really into his soliloquy. Yeah, that's Kar- that's that's Karis. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Karis. And Merva's um holographic speech at the end, uh-huh. like really for me. But I saw uh someone say that like obviously Star Wars has never been known for its <laughs> um its quality dialogue, but the entire Star Wars saga is, according to this person, absent of any really good speeches or like powerfully uh, driven soliloquies. And in this series, we get two of them. Yeah. Uh, one of, both during like really uh, visually uh, heavy montages yep. that help drive those points home. And I really like that Gilroy managed to incorporate that in because like those were really moving and they really helped uh, to deliver the punch of this rebellion and how it's not going to be stamped out. It's almost like the perfect counter to what you were talking about before with the ISB. We're going to crush every aspect of resistance. You can't like you can't do because that's not how tyrannies work. Um, The politically aspect of it really grabs me. Absolutely. I, I could point to many, many speeches throughout that just that just absolutely killed me, whether it's on the, you know, I mean, I mean, um, Luthen, uh, he, Luther, he just tons of them. And also on both sides of the, of the rebellion. But 
just again to speak to like the setup. So I found episode seven and we're kind of starting the 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 third arc of things to be truly this post robbery one of my favorite kind of fallout episodes I've seen where they're kind of picking up the pieces of this big robbery that took place that that took every took away you know changed everything it really did because they you know they describe it as um uh, the episode's called the announcement and they she was I mean uh, um. Deidre was like, it's 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 not a robbery. This is an announcement. This is this is the beginning. That was the spark. And it was just it was just the way they were breaking it down. And again, we got to see how, um, you know, how fascism works. They use that moment that 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 robbery, uh, you know, as kind of a chance to tighten their grip more. I mean, they they what they what they were talking about in that episode was the Imperial Emergency Act which was an act that was going to, you know, give more power to them and more surveillance. And it was, it was basically their version of the Patriot Act that, that, that occurred in America after, after 9-11. It was their chance to use a really terrible moment to, to tighten their grip further. And I thought just, just that speaks again to like how intense the writing was. It was, it was, it just felt real, that idea of them like, okay, yeah, so they're doing that. We're going to be doing this and we're going to continue to type it. I need to point out real quick that, one thing I kept noticing when we're going through these first six episodes is that we we didn't have many aliens at all, and it, which was which is interesting. It still felt Star Wars and everything, but in episode seven, um, we got a we got an alien. That's when we did lose Karis, who I loved, and I'm going to talk about his manifesto soon. But uh, uh, we got a four armed doctor uh, who's interestingly enough named Doctor Quadpaw, <laughs> which I had to bring it up. But we finally got aliens in that uh, episode. Um, did you notice that at all? I was curious. I want to ask you, like, was there? We ended up getting um, more aliens too, and Cassian went to kind of like that beach type where he got arrested. There was more aliens there. But uh, did you notice that? Was that lacking, or was it just this was such a departure, um, you know, series that you didn't even think about that? No, I was aware. Of, I was aware of it. Um, his droid had a lot of personality, so that always reminded me yeah. we're still in Star Wars. Yeah. After a while, I'm like, okay, I think he's shied away from too many aliens because aliens can distract from the seriousness of this plot. Let's face it, when we encounter aliens in the cantina, they're almost comical sometimes. They look like Muppets in a lot of cases, and they're very CGI. But in this series, they were used sparingly, and I kind of liked that. Don't use any, and you're going to start to forget you're in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um for me, it was uh, the two they encountered after the jailbreak that shot them in that web, <laughs> captured them in that web. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those aliens were so cool looking. One of them looked like a Mongol, a Mongolian, and uh, yeah. like they, the makeup was well done. It's uh, and similar with Saw Guerrero's right hand man. Again, I'm spacing on the character name, but those yeah. aliens that are designed for this series are really well done. Yep. They look good. They're not CGI and they're not like comical Muppets brought to life. They have yeah. like very detailed features, and yep. I think he, I think he peppered them throughout the series. Tony Gilroy, that is. I think he peppered yeah. them throughout the series just enough to remind us, hey, we're in Star Wars, but. Yep. Um, we're not gonna like go too far into that whole realm of uh, the Mos Eisley Cantina. Absolutely. So you you mentioned those two aliens that did trap them. They were on the prison planet, and um, that whole prison thing was just absolutely stunning for me. It was it, it brought home again how terrifying this whole thing is. I mean, I'm I'm kind of grouping them together, episode seven, eight, and nine. But like it just you know that is kind of like the prison sequence that went down. It's it, you do you see how terrifying, you know how trapped these people are, you know, 
and also what was going on there that just was mind blowing to me is that um, the audio torture started of Bix, and um, what we're seeing there, they 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 made they captured the sound of an alien civilization, and it was their younger the children uh, being completely wiped out by the empire, and they and they put it on her, and it was just it was I mean that was the one I was talking about that was kind of like a horror film to me. It was just mind blowing how scary that was. But then you also got to see you know, this prison sequence where these uh, these humans were being used in just this this awful, uh, I mean, that, I love the line where they were talking about, like, we are, you know, we are cheaper than droids and easier to replace. It really, it, it, it really highlighted to me kind of um, the depth of risk of rebellion, like kind of what can happen to you if you try to do something. I mean, Cassian really didn't even do that much, but what the risk is, where you can end up, what type of hell you could be, whether it's that helmet or that prison. And that also highlights why this rebellion had to happen. I mean, that's why they had to break. They they realized there's, you know, in this case, there was only one way out. But I mean, this prison uh, 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 facility just, just highlighted to me, I thought it was a good encapsulation of the bigger thing. You know, they, in that prison, we saw why they had to re- rebel. And then we later saw on a bigger scale, planetary scale, why they had to rebel. It was, it was, it was, there was a good thing there. But what do you? I'm sure you have some words about that whole prison sequence. Well, I think Andy Circus did a phenomenal job of being like, "Hey, okay. I got like this. I'm gonna get to the end of my uh, sentence, and I'm gonna get out of here." Yep. But once they all they were in this hopeless situation, that was enough for them to say, "Okay, now we're gonna do this." Um, and I like that. Like, I hate any series where someone gets thrown in jail and like by the end of that episode they're jailbreaking he spent a full like three episodes in there and it was very very nuanced and it was kind of like the micro of someone all these people getting landed in jail for the like not even what you could call transgressions and just like of different minds of what it means to be in prison i'm going to serve my sentence no i'd rather die in here on my own terms than Mm -hmm. empire's terms and going back to what you said about uh when um when Bix was tortured, I really liked that. I mean, I don't like seeing people get tortured, but <laughs> no, I mean, Star Wars has to be good for the kids in terms of like in A New Hope, we see torture in the form of that droid coming in with the needle to, yep. to, to interrogate Leia. But the next time we see her, she wakes up and says, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Uh, when her planet gets blown up, we don't see the reaction after that. And she yeah. please, seems to recover that quickly this is us seeing like the very human reactions to the atrocity of the empire this is us seeing what happens when the empire interrogates you and the glee of her interrogator when he does it like all it's almost like everything you can think of uh uh, what the atrocities committed by a tyrannical regime would commit we got a little glimpse of everything that they would commit in this 12 episodes absolutely they um what I love so much about the prison thing, and maybe the show in general, is kind of we get to see, you know, the prison factory, uh, um, you know, uh, thing there. It's, I felt like we were seeing how the sausage is made. You know, it's like it's I, I kept thinking throughout the series is like, remember in Clerks when they're talking about, you know, what about all the, the janitors and everyone who was, who, was, who was killed and everything? I feel like we were seeing the janitors and everything and, and, and you know, not, not into like the whole I called it thing. But I remember when they were building those pieces of of you know whatever they were building in in the prison 
And I just kept like there there was like an aha moment I had. I'm like, that's coming back. And I'm like, what if what what if those pieces are part of something, you know, weapons that were gonna kill them? And you know, I'll just mention it that post-credit scene where you got to see them building the Death Star and those pieces in it, I was like, I was like pumping my fist, like yeah, like losing it. But it was just like the way again, the writing, the way they were building those things and it became to turn around to be the thing that was going to be absolutely killing them. It was crazy. So one last thing in episode 10, before we get to those last two, which I'm so excited to talk about, that's one of Luthen's speeches when he's there and he's, he's meeting that guy and they're, they're secluded and, and no one can hear them talking. And the guy, you know, he sacrificed so much working on the inside and he asked Luthen, Luther, I think I keep mixing that name up, you know, kind of what have you sacrificed? And he's like, you know, what have I sacrificed? He's like, I'm, you know, I'm a terrible person now. I use their tactics. I am like, you know, look at the things I'm doing for this. Like he, I mean, I think that also speaks to the desperation and like the intensity of of the revolution that was on. He was willing to sacrifice so many lives to win this. I mean, lives didn't matter to him. Planets didn't matter. He actually wanted at, at certain points, he wanted their reaction to be so intense that people would be like, have to have to come to it then that that just says a lot but i loved it he was just like i succumbed to their tactics i you know basically i sold my soul um to the whole thing so the last two episodes episode 11 and episode 12 they're kind of one piece themselves daughter of ferrix and rick's road i just want to mention about episode 11 before we really get into kind of how they brought it home i've never imagined a broken-hearted droid would rattle me like that I mean, when, when B2 EMO uh, was so affected and so sad, um, that really, really uh, got me. Um, what, what what did you think? Any thoughts as we moved into those final final two episodes? Well, with that, yeah, I mean, with the absence of aliens, like we almost like it almost starts to put you in the mind frame that like humans are at the front and center. But then when a droid shows you that emotional vulnerability, we're like, all right, okay, like it's the full that off too. Um, and going back to Luthen, I loved his character for the same reasons you said. Like we're not used to rebels who are willing to sacrifice other rebels for mm-hmm. the greater good. But I also loved that he was able to slip in and out of those roles where he could actually straddle the world that Mon Mothma is living in as a rebel and the very militant world that Saw Guerrera is living in as a rebel. He's yep. the bridge yeah. in those worlds. Um, so he's a very, very necessary piece of the chessboard, if you will, in this little drama. And he knows how to disable a tractor beam in a way I never imagined. That was That was a banger of a moment. That was a reminder that like we can still have these larger than life Star Wars moments, this dog fight, like while we're still having the 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 dramas unfold that's not so action focused. Like, yeah, this still exists. TIE fighters will still chase ships and like give you those wow moments, but at the same time they serve the plot um in necessary ways. It's not like a lot of times in Star Wars, it's like plot, action, plot, action. Yep. This was intermingling of both. Absolutely. Um I'm going I, I was just gonna say I I really love the only major character we're seeing from the original series who is played by the same actress who was in the cutscenes. I'm going to go this direction right now. Yep. Okay, then I'll I'll, go, I'll go, just go. say I'll, I'll just say I'm so glad we had him on Mothma. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I was I was I'm, and I'm surprised it took us this long to get there because one thing I was realizing and it's just again another aha moment while I'm watching like another this isn't just kind of seeing the seeds of the rebellion and kind of like the spark that lit lit it for the people 
this was a Mon Mothma. Uh, this is her origin story. And it just like hit me one time. I'm like, that's the, the, that makes Andor so special in, in an amazing way. And you're right. They used, you know, the same act, actress at this point and, and Genevieve O'Reilly. And I just thought that was so cool. I mean, that was kind of, you know, as we did, like I said, we've been seeing, you know, the the more blue collar, you know, regular, regular people that we, we did get to go into high society there and, you know, her thing, but like the linkages of the whole thing. And that's why it was so crazy. And, and it was so impressive when, I mean, the only person who wasn't there was Mon Matha is how they, how, how the writing credibly took us all, took all these people that were involved in this thing from different vantage points and different, different reasons. They all ended up, uh, at, at that funeral at the end in, in Rick's road. And it just, it, it, it was believable. I, I mean, I completely bought it this galvanizing, uh, 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 funeral of, of Marva and, um, just that episode. And I, I've, I've watched it multiple times right now. I'm just absolutely in awe of it. it it's got a different feel than in almost anything I've seen. The, um, patience of the build with the drum and the wind instruments. It was kind of like a second line funeral, the, the, the sound, I'm going to uh, mention the score in a second, but just like the, 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 the hologram moment with you know, Marvers, we've been sleeping situation, the return of the, that manifesto, which I love so much was basically the, why we fight moment. I mean, remember that the freedom is a pure idea. Like I, there's, I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it. That was, that was an inspiring episode. what do you think of Rick's road? Well, first of all, I think that manifesto could be used in rebellions all over our planet, all over the globe. I don't want to make light of any of that, but like, I mean, it, it was that inspiring. No question. Uh, but yeah, I like, I don't like heavy handed plot devices that are used to bring an ensemble cast together. Yeah. So exactly yeah. what you said, the funeral was a very credible way, mm -hmm. almost like maybe that's what they had in mind when they began the series and backtracked to the beginning of the plot to establish that like, this is where all these characters converge. Yep. Um, yep. I really like the way Surreal, um, I really like the way he came to Daedra's uh, aid at the end and yeah. like, cause he's been begging her like, take me in this whole series and she Holy. just keeps running. And they're now both, they're the both twisted in the same way. Well, I mean, that was, I don't know, like, and first of all, by the way, stormtroopers can hit now. Yes. <laughs> they can hit their <laughs> like, Finally. That firefight in the street was one of the most credible action scenes I've ever seen. And I don't say that for action's sake. I say that for the plot's sake. Like yes, this sir. is like when people start like gunning each other down and everyone's running in panic. Like this is a scene that really is like a very climactic battle that like has everyone and their ideals, their different varying ideals on display and yep. how they're at together. Absolutely. And it all kind of culminated with that, um, you know, the kill me or take take me uh, with you line. And again, I just want to mention that that I completely it, it, everything felt earned. And I think that's so important. We talked about that galvanizing moment that that got everyone together. And usually that is a lame plot device in a lot of ways. And But it felt earned and it took the time and, and it took the time. So that was just, just it, that was I love that that really worked. Um Real quick, I just want to shout out one of the reasons that that that, that scene worked really well is the score, and that's uh, Nicholas Bertel. Um, that that funeral procession was it was actually when I read about it, it was inspired by um, the when him and Tony Gilroy were talking about it, it was inspired by the band. They, they they listened to that, but the scores was incredible. I mean, I think about that one time they went to that beach planet with uh, you know kind of Miami Vice synth wave. Uh, yeah. um, the score was really really impressive.
I liked I liked it like there were times where it was more Blade Runner than John Williams. I like that they most of the most of the composers have tried to emulate John Williams and you know they're trying to keep to the yep. but like this was different. This is like hey, we're going to show you a departure. And I don't know I don't know if you noticed but in the opening credit when Andor came out looking like a moon and it turned into the rebel symbol, like that was a different introductory uh, song, uh, soundscape every time that Andor came out. Oh, it was it different each time? I I mean, I think That's they awesome. might have used the same one more than once but mm -hmm. over the 12 episode span like they were different like sometimes it'd be very synth heavy sometimes it'd be more classical yeah. sometimes it'd be more brooding sometimes it'd be a little more hopeful yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean all I in all we, go on I, I i hope we get a more variety like more variety in our scores going forward because i as much as i love john williams and his score like we don't need to have like that style that classical style every oh. time for every Star Wars project yeah i felt like nicholas could also do that you know you can he could still do that empire score but he was just like he just he can do a lot of different things with the score which was very very impressive but um I, you know i just like the idea that like like they took these chances with the score and the whole thing this this all in all this opens my mind to the possibility of the stories that can be told in this universe i mean i'm more hopeful about you know a, a star wars shows or even i would think that other filmmakers uh you know watching this who who deal with anything could be inspired about this i mean i don't know if i'm going to be able to watch many star wars series the same and i mean that in kind of a good way i i do expect a little bit more um it was just it just it did it opened my mind that different stories deeper stories i mean it's always been deep it's always been fun i've loved it all but this 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 felt like possibility um for it just i'm i'm, I'm floored by it yeah you know i saw something that said uh that andor has been a critical hit for star wars but it was mm -hmm. not a commercial hit in terms of yeah. eyeballs they did not have the eyeballs on it that they were hoping for like they do with mandalorian and obi-wan but it was such a critical hit. I don't know if you noticed, they even rolled it out on Hulu and I think one other streaming service that wasn't oh, Disney Plus. Yeah. We're trying to get the word out on Andor. And obviously they're going to be younger people, people who are used to the same old who are going to show up and be like, ah, this isn't for me. But people like you and me um, and some people who are just looking for something a little different, a little fresher take on yep. this franchise, this 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 brand, I think they're going to be very pleasantly surprised if this sets the precedent for what comes, for, comes after this. Absolutely. They should be super, super proud and you know, I hope more and more people, and it wasn't like you said, it wasn't, you know, the the success for the people that they hoped for, but I hope more and more come to it. I hope this show, uh, you know, this episode helps people. The only uh, uh, critique I have is I need more Saw, need more Saw Guerrera in season two. Please, please, please. I'm thinking maybe his limited time on screen and this was a major setup. And, and I think yeah. we might be... Uh... I might. I think we might be able. We we might be seeing more of Ben Mendelsohn's character. Uh, cool. Director is a character. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think you're right. Should, I think he should be showing up in uh, episode or season two. Absolutely. Well, the big deal is we get more. We have twelve more episodes, and I I really really can't wait. And I can't wait to talk to you about it once that comes on. Doug, thank you so much. I love getting into this. I love the show, and I love talking about it with you. So thank you. Thanks for having me back, Mike. This has been great. Yep, and thank you everyone out there for once again joining the party.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.